Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey guys, did you know that I have a book called Life of the Party? You can get it at bookstores, or you can get it at birdbirdbird.com, where you can also find my tour dates. I'm on tour. Hey, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Today's guest, one of my favorite co-hosts of one of my favorite talk shows ever, Loveline, Mike Catherwood. This is It's mostly for me, it's um, double flights. Oh yeah. Like if I fly to stop somewhere. If I have to stop somewhere. I have a hard time. Um, I I have a hard time just taking a Xanax and then taking another one, and then yeah. I'm just and, and let's let's be, let's call a spade a spade. I like to drink, yeah. So I, I like to tap out emotionally and fucking and and be the artist, be the like rock star that I was kind of guy, yeah, yeah, the tortured guy. Shit's more fun that way too. I mean, that's it. Wouldn't be a like the downside's too big. For that, for that not to be true, like when you're drunk, mundane shit is fun. Yeah, you know that's that's the bottom line. Like sitting watching a shitty B-rate movie on a plane with a bunch of strangers is not at all enjoyable. But if you get like four cocktails in, it can be great. You Dude, know, it can it can actually take it to the next level. I yeah. mean, if you watch if you watch Lone Survivor yeah. drunk, that first five minutes you'll make, you'll want to join the fucking Marine Corps. Yeah. Like you'll be a Navy SEAL yeah. in a heart. It's one of the you're most like inspiring. doing push-ups and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I got to change my fucking life. I need brothers in my life. I need <laughs> fucking guys that will go to war for me. But so that's where my head's at. Um, I don't need to really introduce you. I'm sure if you read the this is what I hate. People are like, uh, you didn't introduce him until five minutes in. Well, you read the fucking lead into the podcast. That's why you're here. Yeah. It's Mike Catherwood, everybody. How are you? I'm doing good, man. It's good to see you, Mr. Kreischer. I uh, I got to be really honest. I absolutely loved your Allison Rosen podcast. Oh really? It's such a different side of you than what I know to be on Loveline. Well, thank you. Loveline's a very powerful side of you. Well, and also you got to. It's hard. I mean, I'm sure you deal with it every day as a stand-up. You want to try to deliver authenticity, but you're also you're an entertainer. I mean, that's what you're paid to do. <clears throat> I'm having a hard time with authenticity and entertainment yeah. right now because because uh, of just of what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, uh, you you feel a, a certain responsibility to give the audience what they want. And that's not necessarily always the real, quote unquote, the real you, because it's just like with reality TV. I mean, if they were to really just put cameras on walls and let people film people's lives, 90% of it would be so boring. I mean, yeah. like ag- aggressively boring. Um, that's what I thought you have to reality highlight, TV you know, was. Kind of the, the fun like, stuff. That's why I liked reality TV. I thought that's what it would be. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the first real reality television show was, was Stern's show on E! Because that was really just kind of filming people reacting to extreme stuff. Like, very insightful. I've never really looked at it that way. You'd see like fist fights and, and people, you know, having complete mental breakdowns and, and, you know, crying and all these real reactions that no one going into work intended to, to kind of do, yeah. you know, and the next, you know, boom, it pop off like that. So what was, um, which is interesting because what you, you got your start 
uh, you got your start with Kevin and Bean, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I learned that on I learned that on Allison's podcast, and I also didn't know Ralph Garman was on that show. Yeah, I know Ralph Garman from just from Twitter. Really? Like I don't know him. I only know him from Twitter. But I didn't, and I don't really know how I know him. Like, wasn't he? What else did he do? Joe Schmo was his. I think he's that's big, it. Yep, big Joe kind Schmo. Of, My buddy produces Joe Schmo. Yeah, and so that's that's how I knew Ralph Garman. That's an excellent TV show. It really is, and it was so ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. It, Ralph was Ralph was the uh, the smarmy host of uh, of Joe Schmo. What's Kevin? I've never. I, I, this is going to sound very weird. Yeah, I've never listened to Kevin and Bean. Yeah, I mean, people have their their like. Well, I just think I just got to L.A. Yeah. later than when you would have found that show. Sure. Like I think. Well, also, I think morning radio is a lot like like your morning news show. Like if you're a Today Show guy, you just watch the Today Show. You don't even explore the idea of like watching, you know, yeah. the CBS show. And I think morning radio is your, like you have your thing. You don't really if you if your favorite radio show is syndicated and it's on in that market, you're not going to like explore other options. You have your people, you know. Yeah, I was an XM guy. Yep. I was an XM guy when I moved out here. XM was becoming popular, and uh, ONA and Stern were both on XM. So yeah. I was like, so I got onto them. Um, and I and and the only time I ever really listened to this is going to sound really fucking horrible. The only radio that I've ever listened to is Big Boys Neighborhood, and uh, and um, as far as like local LA guys, local LA, yeah, Big Boys Neighborhood is that it? Big Boy, yeah. am I thinking the right thing? Yeah, Big Boys Neighborhood and the Steve Harvey Show. Yeah. That's and that's so not my demographic, but I love Steve Harvey's show. That's so your demographic is your your urban black male. Yeah, exactly. Here in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Big Boy. You know, he's he's not only in like an L.A. radio legend. I mean, the guy's the guy's legit. You know, yeah. he's a he's been balling in L.A. for God almost two decades. So, so when you got to Kevin and Bean, were you sober? Yeah. Seriously, when did yeah. you get sober? I, I, two thousand two. Two thousand two. Yeah. How I, I first tried in 99. I don't want um, to talk about sobriety, by the way, uh, yeah. this whole time. I know we started talking about that, and I'm sure it's something everyone wants to talk to you about. But Yes and no. I mean, like, look, a lot, some people want to talk about it from the perspective of, like, like I'm some kind of weird circus freak. You know, like, super bros are like, dude, how can you live your life without knocking back a six-pack? And it's like, yeah. uh, but, and that, I, I mean, I certainly don't mind talking about it in any, uh, in any forum, but... Um, that can get annoying because it's like I I'm not straight edge like I'd love to drink I really yeah. would I I mean I, I my hats off to people who can control it I'm just I'm the worst I'm the worst alcoholic there is you know that's interesting when yeah. you meet people who go no no these are good decisions I'm making yeah. like there was a guy the one of the man- general managers of the Denver Improv or one of the managers of the Denver, Denver Improv picked me up for radio and then we went to uh, we we were in Denver so mm-hmm. we went to uh, I wanted to see what the uh, smokehouse is. Or the- From what I hear, that's like one of the best burgeoning comic towns. Like, uh, yeah, De- so- Denver is like, like the whole community is like they're really supportive of themselves. There's a lot of good clubs, the whole deal. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great town. I yeah. think I love Denver. I love Denver personally. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know. And so we went to the smokehouse, and I was like, and I was like, "Are you going to get any weed?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm sober." Yeah. And I was like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah." And he just was definitively like. He's like, oh, it's it's a good thing, and yeah. then he went through and told his stories and his bottom, and it was fucking fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not so convinced. Like, it's always a good thing. I know, I just know without a question, without a shadow of a doubt, it's a really good thing for me. Yeah, <laughs> now, without you, a shadow of a doubt. Do you think you flipped it into working as hard as you do? Oh yeah, I'm definitely very addictive uh, in, in many other facets of my life now that I don't have drugs and alcohol. Without question, really. Yeah, I mean, you jack off a lot. 
Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, I jack I off, jack off like a ton. Like, yeah. I, like I actually think I have a problem with it. I like, do too. Yeah, because I don't. I don't. I'm not. I used to jack off because I was horny and I didn't have a someone to have sex with. Now I'm jacking off almost as a means to like, like uh, curb some weird, um, almost deviant appetite. You know, like I'm, I'm not. I'm not beating off for sexual pleasure anymore. I'm almost beating off to like. To, to, to tame the beast within, yeah, you know? I like I, I I I witnessed myself go through that today. Yeah, I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. But what happened to me is like, I'm the only one home. My parent, my family is in Alabama. Yeah, so I'm the only one in L.A. And I was like, I never get this kind of freedom where I can just jack off in my house. Yeah, like this is insane. And then I end up <clears throat> in the bed by myself, going, "What am I fucking doing?" Yeah. You know, wearing my wife's... No, but it, the, the <laughs> <laughs> With the rubber ball gag in my mouth. Um, I, yeah, it's weird because I, I really feel... And I know some people who are sex addicts, like legitimate sex addicts. And it's crazy because like every guy who gets caught cheating on his wife, that's the new excuse to go to. But I mean, I know guys who make their dick bleed because they jack off so much. They're so addicted to sex that, you know, you know, really good, solid human beings, high school teachers, like solid dudes that have they can't go a day without buying a hooker because they just need someone new to have sex with. And um, so I, I know guys like that. And um, it, it, it it's so easy nowadays to kind of fall into that trap because porn and like the whole sex trade is just so goddamn good now oh it's i mean think about when it was from i don't know how old you are but i know you're younger than me. yeah Yeah. you're like six years younger than me think about where it was when i was a kid my first porn was i found like a hustler magazine in the woods it's horrible but i was like i was like this is the best thing i've ever found in my entire life i cleaned that magazine so that i could use it and i had that magazine i didn't get my first pornography tape personal porn tape that I had that I could use at my leisure until I was 26. Yeah, I was a little younger than that, but I was that was I was already working at K Rock, and I would just get them for free, like Vivid and all the, you know those big companies in the early 2000s. That was still a viable thing, like DVDs. Yeah, so they'd yeah. send over like you know their new movies. I just take them home. Just. When I moved to, when I moved to LA, I got a show on the X. I got a show on FX on the it's called the X Show, mm-hmm. and I got uh, they would give us porns, and I was like, I remember like. My heart racing, being like, this is going to be fucking yeah. amazing. Yeah. But then, and then now it's like porn is so, I mean, I look at, I look at the page of you porn and I just look at thumbnails and I'm like, ugh. If I was 14, like when you really get like sex crazed as a boy, if I had access to like red tube and you porn and stuff, I would, I, I don't know what I'd do. And I think that's why so many kids, boys nowadays um, straight males, and you know when they get to be like eighteen, twenty, they're different now. They're not as all wrapped up. Like I was obsessive about getting pussy. Yeah, I mean, it really was. Like I, it was all I could think about. I would forego anything to get laid, and I, I just don't see that in in young males nowadays because they. I, it's like, well, I I've been watching double anal since I was thirteen. Yeah, do I really need to kind of go after this this thing that's been very diluted? Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Do you think it? Do you think it changes their perspective of what they want to, how they'll drive pleasure out of sex? I ho- I think so, and I and I because hope- remember remember the first time you got a chick yeah. that you could do everything with yeah no, except fucking the ass yeah but like no I- the, the first chick I could do anything with was like I think that I was really thrown for a loop by my high school girlfriend like like she was fair game for anything like I was eating ass really? and doing anal when I was like sixteen. Really? Yeah, not because I'm eating such a stud. ass at sixteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. And not because I'm such a stud or anything, but because like she was so, 
She was a baller. Open. Yeah. She's like, and, I fucking go hard in the paint. Let's yeah. make this happen. And I don't know if she knew any better. She was not a citizen of this country. Oh, so, my God. Like, she had, Tell yeah. me more about this story. Yeah. She, what, is she Russian? No, she was Mexican. Oh. I mean, I grew up here in L.A., so it was like... But she wasn't like, like like I know everybody's thinking she wasn't a citizen and in LA and a Mexican she wasn't like an illegal she worked for uh, her mother was a, a dignitary for the you, for the Mexican consulate. Oh, this chick, I know. Can you describe her? Who does she look like? Like Selma Hayek or like, no or no like more like, she was cutesy more so than like bombshell. She was like a, she looked like a like a more of a Mexican like a Nev Campbell. Like a young, you know, but like oh, yeah. high school I age love Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell. You know? Yeah, I think Nev Campbell's so fucking hot. So. Did was it was it you doing the research and then bringing it back to her? Or was her at her like like let's 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 try this or you just it was definitely I was the one who was who was really like imposing these new ideas. Um, <laughs> hey, I read a book. Yeah, and I wasn't, and I, even looking back on it, I, to be honest, I wasn't like a creep about it. I wasn't like what the fuck, yeah, you made I mean, it was just it was just like I was I was so horny all the time. I was so upset, and she and look, I had a girl who would let me have sex with her. Pretty much whenever we were alone, and I was 16, and like that was a gold mine. And yeah. then, so once I realized, like, okay, like this will work, she's open to this, what, why don't we give this a shot? And she would more often than not say yes. So, really? Yeah. So then the next chick you fuck. Then the next, like, when I got to be, I don't know, 19 and really like exploring the world sexually for the first time, like, really let loose on the world. I was living in, San- I moved up to San Francisco. And I met some girls who were just weren't that way, you know, and I really felt like a disgusting pervert. Oh, you know? so so you bring in what you know to be <laughs> how you dance by yourself in the dark. Yeah. And then they go, I'm sorry, I only foxtrot. Yeah. And you're like, ooh, this is awkward. I don't understand. I mean, I, I thought like I really had this 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 inner conflict of am I insane and was I de- devoting my entire adolescent sexual adolescence to another person who was utterly insane or are these girls just totally milk toast? Oh, and then to- from, yeah. from eighteen to to twenty one, that's when I I, I I I battled that, and then I just came to the conclusion I was nuts. And you know, once by the time I was twenty one, I had already gone to rehab and failed. Moved to New York City, I was smoking speedballs and stuff like all day, not eating. So by that point, I had thrown caution to the wind. It's like I don't really care what anybody thinks. Yeah. If someone will let me have sex with them, I'm going to. Whether it's bland or it's double fisting, I'm doing it. You yeah. Know, so that's crazy. Now, how how adventurous are you on the flips? Like, have you ever let a girl put a finger in your ass? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah me too. I'm pretty open minded. Like, I mean, I, I'm pretty open to anything my wife would want to do. Yeah. As long as it's like, like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would say I wouldn't harm myself, but I totally would. I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't think I'd go. I don't think I'd go uber gay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think I'd. I don't think I'd even do any gay to like to please her. I do it to get a laugh. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll go gay to get a laugh in yeah. a heartbeat. I think gay. I think I could have so much fun if I was gay. Yeah. Like I, I think I would really enjoy a gay lifestyle if I could just get past the part of kissing dudes. Yeah. Like that's the only part of the like. But just hanging out with guys and then nothing's off limits. No, I went surfing probably six months ago. With like my close buddies, and we, uh, it was it was football season, and one of the guys was from he's born and raised in Georgia, and we would like went serving in the morning. And we went back to my place in Venice, and we barbecued. He's like, we got to watch the Georgia game, and I was like, yeah. And then we were just all hanging out at my place, and looking. I'm, and I'm like in between, at halftime, we were like playing Xbox. I was like, if I could just fuck these guys, 
<laughs> like life truth. would be so awesome. Like yeah. life would be so amazing. And um, but yeah, yeah, I just I don't have it, and I don't have that kind of see. Now, desire. Did, you, did you grow up with like like I I I I go back to I'm a little obsessed right now with with growth, mm-hmm. um, like like personal growth, um, uh, cultural growth, and like and men, sure, white men who who are going through that. You're Latin, Mexican, yeah. But but I mean, but I'm half, I'm half and half. Yeah, my yeah, dad's yeah, my dad's like you're like my like, buddy Eddie. Eddie Fernandez is full Mexican. I still call him a white guy. Yeah, um, my dad's as like he is white. He's an I- Irish immigrant. Parents lived in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. He's like white. Yeah. But I always go through with this like what we now know to co- like cultural growth. Like like I I don't say and I and I I get a lot of shit for this. I did I on I said this on somewhere like I. Obviously, I don't use the N word. Yeah. But like, I then said, well, if the M word is offensive and the F word is offensive, well, let me just pull them all out of my, all out of my thing. And then I start thinking, like, I start looking at like, like where we're going, and like, and I start like, anytime someone brings up a debate, I yeah. just go, well, what's? The, I, I try to look at it like, what side of history am I on? Like, I don't like. You know, you, there were people that really didn't like Martin Luther King. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> they were like, no, I, for sure. You bring up a good point. I mean, in thirty years, maybe, maybe shorter, maybe longer, but around there, there's going to be be people looking at 2010 to 2016. Like, people really were adamant about gay guys not getting married. Like, yeah. gays and lesbians couldn't get married. That's insane. Yeah. You know, like we watch, you know, forty two and see Jackie Robinson not being able to get on the same bus, and we're like, "That's fucking insane!" I yeah. can't even understand. Wrap my head around. Why it. didn't he say something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Clearly, they've not. Like, I mean, and and what and I always say, and I hope this comes off as sensitive as I mean it, but like, what we now know as black people, yeah, like the the people I know, my black friends, would never have stood for getting not told to get on the bus. Yeah, I, that is the uh, one sure, culturally but- they are they are the most. Uh, the proudest, and it's like you look back and you're like, how fucking different of a time was that? Yeah. Well, I mean, because every black acquaintance you and I have ever had didn't grow up in an era where they were so outnumbered socially. Yeah. I mean, they're still outnumbered by numbers yeah. uh, in this country, but I mean, like you, you couldn't say something because yeah. every dude in the diner or the bar or the bus or wherever it was would gang beat you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so we don't, we can't even. I mean, I truly can't. Wrap my head around it. We had a, a a guest on Loveline. His name's Charles Connor, and uh, he's actually like one of the daytime security guys at K Rock at the at the radio station I work at. I think I think okay, yeah, yeah. And but he before he retired from music was Little Richard's drummer for like fifty years, and really? he started with him in Macon, Georgia, in in the forties. I mean, he has this unbelievable story of of music and and like the backbone of of American rock and roll and R and B. And uh, he was telling us these stories about life and growing up and being around Little Richard and James Brown in the early days. And he got to talking about his first, like, real serious girlfriend, and she was white. And he was with her for 13 years, and they couldn't get married because they were living in the South. And, like, Drew and I were, you know, we're looking at each other. He's like, I just can't even really put my mind, I, like, I can't understand. Like, he loved this girl. They were together for 13 years, and they just, Never could get married, you know. It was wasn't an option. It's just so insane to think yeah. of that now and go, "Oh yeah, that was that's just." And I mean, my, I mean, your did your dad get shit when he started dating a Mexican chick? I think so. Really? Yeah, I think so. But yeah, that's gotta look, be like that gotta was be like seventy no, five ish, no, seventy five. Yeah, yeah. When my mom and dad met, and and 
You know, 19, in the mid-70s in L.A., it was probably pretty cool because I'm sure that was the era of, like, whatever, man. Yeah. Whatever goes, you know. And and my dad, oddly enough, who never met anybody of any ethnicity until the Vietnam War. Really? You really, the Vietnam War? Yeah. And, but, and, Is and, he still alive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, But my dad, you know, he worked for uh, – he went in as an officer and he worked for – because my dad's pretty old for to have a kid my age. Um, yeah. uh, he's 71. So he he – uh, went in as an officer, and and so he didn't have to like, you know, see the shit. He was, but he worked at the Pentagon and at NORAD. He was, and my dad's a, a pretty erudite guy, um, and so he was working at the Pentagon. I have to stop you. I don't know what erudite means. He's a, he's a sharp dude. He's okay. a, he's, a, he's a right brain. <laughs> I'm guy. sorry. I'm fucking. I'm past the time of going. Okay, yeah, because yeah. then, I, then I, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. They I'm sorry. Him, whatever it means. He, he's he's very he's a he's he's a digits and 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 science guy. Okay, you know, he's very very sharp. Did you go to college? No. Keep going. Yeah. You're really smart. Thank you. For not going to college. I mean, well. I mean, not that I did anything with my college But I'm experience. not. I mean, I, I guess I, I read a lot. I like information, and I, I feel like people tell me I'm well-spoken and I'm well-informed on stuff. But when it comes to being smart, like when I talk to Dr. Drew about, like, knowing shit, yeah. I'm really not smart. I don't know anything. Yeah. Like, my light bulb went out the other day, and I was, I was replacing it. And I was like, if I had to figure out how this worked. I'd be fucked. I mean, I might as well be figuring out a nuclear submarine. I went to change a light bulb the other day, and I was like, where are the light bulbs? My wife's like, oh, you need to go buy some. And I'm like, wait, what wattage do I get? I don't know anything about wattage or why there's different yeah. watts or what soft versus – I don't know anything about so fucking light bulbs. So when it really bulbs. comes to smart, like like putting rubber to the road, like the guy who came over, our electrician eventually came over like three weeks ago, and I'm, I'm like, you're so much smarter than me. Like yeah. you have so much more applicable knowledge – than me because I use the word erudite. Like, you know, what, but, what do you do in – like I, I often ask myself this. What do I do in an apocalypse? Am I really standing by the campfire oh, just hosting the apocalypse? No. Like just exactly. cracking jokes? I can't fucking – all right, everybody. Farmers, you go build some things. Cops, you build the shrimp perimeter. Bert. The comedian is in – honestly, and I'm not just saying this to, to, to kiss ass. If you really step back and analyze what humanity has done, the person who – devotes his or her life to creating joy for others yeah. is the most beautiful thing in the world. But if you analyze it from a strictly animal aspect, the most useless thing in the world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like the comedian or the or the comedy writer or the sartorialist yeah. is the most beautiful thing that's ever been developed by humankind because it's someone who devotes their life to bringing joy to others. Yeah. And think about like really what it means to make other people laugh, like a belly laugh. It's so beautiful. It's yeah. more beautiful than anything ever. But if you think about when, like you said, the shit goes down, well, what does that do for me? Yeah. Are you really going to hunt a fox and fucking skin that thing and, and make some steaks out of it? I can't nope. do a fucking thing with that. <laughs> I can't either. I can maybe, uh, if you give me the carcass, I can do a puppet show. I, I skin and gutted a, uh, a pig once. Really? Yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm glad I did it, but like, they, I just realized, like, this is not me. Where did you, you know? do that? In Italy. What were you, wait, how did you get there? My dad's best friend is an Italian national. So like every so, summer he'd be like he like he's an Italian team? citizen. Oh. <laughs> so he lives here, but he he's like uh, like a legit Italian okay. citizen. Um, and so he would always be like, "You you should come visit us every summer. Come to Italy." And we're like, "Okay." So we just go and hang out in Italy for you know summers, couple summers when I was like uh, junior high age. Really? Yeah. And 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 one dude. I mean, we're not talking like Rome and Florence. We're, this is out in the cut. Yeah, and so dudes would bring people like you. He'd bring you like a pig, like as a gift. Really? Like, look at this pig I got you. And then you know everybody looks at me because at the time I was like 
you know, 13, 14. And like, go, go take care of this. And I was like, I'd look at my dad. I'd be like, I don't, you know, and he's like, don't worry. And so like, we'd get someone to, to and they're like, you got to do this though. I mean, you're a young man. You have to, you have to. This is part of the initiation. Yeah, this is part of the deal. And so I was like, okay. And, uh, and I, I'm, I wasn't a fan of it, but I'm glad I got to like see how it goes down and oh, you- how it goes from living, breathing creature to the, the, the pork you're eating later that night. Everyone should, uh, should harvest their own meat at some point. Yeah. Just so you can put a perspective on it and you go, okay, that's where I got this. Sure. Because if you don't, then in a weird way, you just wolf down burgers and you're like, oh, fucking whatever. It's like, own the shit you do. Rogan's a big proponent of harvesting his own meat. Yeah. He makes a lot of sense, too. Because I'm not one of those guys who thinks, like, either you have to be vegan or you have to hunt your own food. That's like saying if you if you want to listen to the radio, you have to do your own show. Right. It's insane. There's people yeah. who are hunters and farmers, and they make food. There's people who live in cities and are consumers, and you eat food. That That's how it works. I, I don't think you have to, like... But I do feel like we should make a movement to get away from these, like, massive farms, like factory farms. I don't feel like yeah. – like, if aliens analyzed our, our, our whole, like, system of Earth from afar, they'd be like, wait a second. This doesn't work. This doesn't add up. Like, yeah. They just put them in cages, like, thousands and thousands of them, the, and they don't get yeah. a chance to live a life or breathe, and then they just slaughter them. And- Maybe they'd be skinnier if they tried to chase them down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that doesn't make much sense to me. Um but how we get on to it? I have no fucking idea. Oh, oh you, when you became a man. Yeah, when I just Do you think do you think that what at what at, like I'm trying to think of the moment I was like, "All right, I'm officially a man." I think it was very recent. Yeah, I don't think I was probably like in my late 20s, maybe early 30s. Where you were like A lot of um, people are like, "Oh, I was 14 when I No, nah, I was st- I was I was I've been a little boy my entire life. I've always been my father's son. Yeah. I will always continue to be my father's son until he's dead and then I'll probably be a man. I don't feel like I'm 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 I've constantly lived in the shadow of my parents, but I don't feel like I'm a real like I you know I felt like I was a, a provider and like a solid man until pretty recently. Did did um so and I I have to implore everyone to go listen to Allison Rosen Rosen's podcast with you because it's so fucking good. Oh, thank you, dude. But you're you're um well it's it's. It was fascinating. I, I knew I knew you were married. I knew you were married to a really hot chick. Yeah, yeah. she was in uh, Rules of Engagement. The, and, yeah, uh, Rules of Engagement. She's on a Undateable now on NBC. Oh yeah, Thursday with uh, with um, Crystalia Chris and uh, Brent Moore. A lot of funny comics. And Ron Funches. Ron Funches, man. He's, Funches. He's a home run hitter. He's yeah, he's great. He's a he. Uh, we went back and forth about doing the podcast. He's an interesting guy. We both have ridiculous laughs. Yeah, very interesting dude. Like really, what he, he comes off as kind of like life of the party giggly dude. Yeah, but you get to start talking to Ron. He's very very interesting, very thoughtful. Now, um, I don't want to rehash anything you guys talked mm. about, but your breakup with your first wife, yeah, is pretty fucking epic. It was pretty brutal for me, you know, and it wasn't one of these like she's cheating on me and I walked in on him. But it was just she kind of got bored with me. Like she really. Well, it's it's not kind of. She things, did. She did. It's one of the no. It's it's one of the things when I heard you talking about it. I was like, I was like, yeah, I can see how that happens. Like yeah. I can see how, especially at that age. Yeah, you know, young. like my forty three. My wife's forty three now. She's a lot like. Oh, I don't want to do anything. But you know, you're living the life that is ideal. I mean, you're living a great life. You got, you're on Kevin and Bean. Yep. You're doing Loveline. You're on E. You're on, uh, and you've got this chick who's young, a little younger than you, but like 22 or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she, but you're sober, so she, you're not like you're not like, hey, let's stay out until fucking four in the morning, right? I mean, I gotta slash. get, I gotta get up at 
four in the morning to go to work, you know, to go to Kevin and Bean to be live at 5 a.m. Now, all I could think the whole time was, where were you guys living at the time? South Pasadena. Really? Yeah. South Pass is great. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in that neighborhood. That's that's kind of like my hometown. Oh, yeah? yeah? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's where I grew up. So <clears throat> so that's – my my wife at the time, actually, she's not – she's from South Orange County, but she wanted to live there because it was close to my family and family – and so – and she was close to where she worked. That's where I met her. I met her out like in Old Town, Pasadena. What'd she do? She works at Katsuya, the one in Hollywood. What's that? Katsuya is a sushi Oh, place. yeah, yeah. I've had like a real trendy, hip – yeah. Like a lot of celebs go there and stuff. So, but you go to Vegas. Yeah. I went to one of the Kevin Bean staff's uh, uh, birthday parties, surprise birthday parties. That and, for those, and by the way, for the record, uh, for those of you that don't know, Kevin and Bean is, oh, I'll say arguably, but probably the biggest radio show nationally in the world right now. No, I mean, because they, they've really, they've gotten back to doing just LA. But as far as like a market like Los Angeles to be on the air for 21 years without yeah, yeah. getting the boot or without and and really consistently having great ratings through you know the Stern era and Mark and Brian and all these like legendary LA uh, kind of uh radio personalities. Um yeah, Kevin and Bean are made they they are without question like one of the legends of syndicated talk morning radio. Yeah. yeah. It is uh, it is a huge show. Yeah. So you're you're I mean you're working arguably for the stern of the West Coast. Sure, yeah, and at that time, you know, I, I, when I started working with Kevin and Bean, uh, Howard transferred over to Sirius maybe three or four years later. So it really was like I, w- I was part of this this radio show. It would be like being on on Stern show in New York City in 1996. And were like, you even were, if you were like a periphery member? You know, yeah. if you're Stuttering John or you're or you're one of the or you're you know KC Armstrong in, ni- in the mid '90s, you're walking down the street in New York City. You're the man. You were still one of the men. You know, yeah. Like, and that's the way I kind of felt at times in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. And you were when, but you were one of the writers. You and Mark uh, Ralph Garman were Ralph, writing. Yeah, Ralph really was like the big comedy guy and still is. But they they hired me to do like just like low level production, and then as time went on, they they really started incorporating me more as a character in yeah, the show, like comedy. Fucking stuff. amazing that you can make it out of that does that make sense yeah uh, yeah yeah it does but you know the thing the thing that separates kevin and bean i think from a lot of radio guys is that they're really supportive about getting you to move on really i mean look carson daly started there carson daly started there adam carolla started there wait jimmy kimmel was their sports guy you know wait are kevin and bean k-rock yeah oh shit yep so Oh, I know nothing about West Coast LA. I think because yeah. I came to it late. And and what look like West Coast? I knew K Rock. West Coast stuff, especially with media, is kind of like college football. It's like you have to really be there to know it. Like no, you're not you're not living in Atlanta or or New York City hearing about USC football. You know what I'm saying? You're you're in SEC. You're in you're listening to you know the Big Ten. That's that's what you get. Yeah, and there's no real cr- you can't really syndicate out to the West East Coast. Right. Because right. of times, exactly. But it's very easy to, to time delay Stern and and uh, and so yeah. I mean, like Kevin and B and like K Rock in and of itself is like this really strange yet unique and amazing place. If you look at like all the things that have gone on there, um, but Kevin and Bean, they're not only okay with it; like they are pumped on the idea of you coming into their show and then finding other ways to to build a career in entertainment and they, really and they they're helpful they're they're they give you insight you know they give they talk they'll destroy you on the air yeah but off the air man they are the best it's supportive and and ralph's the same way you know yeah 
And so then what was your next show after that? Uh, then I mean, then I started doing TV work, just working with Kevin and Bean. I do like side TV work. Yeah. And then I got asked out of the blue to co-host live with Regis and Kelly um, in 2009 or 10, something like that. They did this thing like where Reg- at the end of Regis's tenure there, he would start to get, uh, you know, he would take time off because he was, you know, he's in his 80s or whatever it was. Yeah. So we'd take time out, and they do like the men of New York Fire Department, the men of Major League Baseball, the men, and each each day during that five day week of shows, they would have a different guy of whatever kind of occupation. Yeah. So then they did like a men of radio week, and listeners had to nominate people to go in and co host. Really, and uh, listeners nominated me, and and <clears throat> once I was on live with Regis and Kelly, I'd done other TV stuff first. You know, I worked for E, like I said, uh, they used to do a show called uh, The Daily Ten, which was yeah. like E! News, but a little bit more. You like, said you got you got it canceled. Why? Essentially, like they were already <laughs> wrapping it up, but I still to this day feel horrible, even though I don't at all feel bad about what I said. Um, but I feel because like so many good people worked on that show. What, what, what happened? What did you say? I, it was like they were pretty much considering winding down the show anyway, and they, they were signing the papers to cancel it, but they were still on the fence. And then I came in to co-host to fill in for Sal Masekela, who was the, the main host. Yeah. And there was a story about Adam Lambert. I don't know if you know who that is. He was on American Idol. He's a genius singer, beautiful yeah. voice. But he's like a, he's like a really outspoken gay rights uh, activist and then also like, like proudly out of the closet gay guy himself. And there was a story about him being arrested for assault. And he might potentially see some jail time. And so off script, I go, from what I know of Adam Lampert, jail might not be all that bad. Yeah. And, a, and like the whole like kind of gay rights movement just came down on me with uh, with just a, a, a tidal wave of oh my negative God. shit. And so. So wait, do you and I know you battle a little bit with uh, depression. Yeah. Do you do you fucking spiral? Yeah, I did because I not because I, I felt like. And by the way, we all deal. I, I mean, like everyone I know is. I didn't want to like. I deal with OCD, depression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we all deal oh, no, with it. I, I mean, I feel like look with my job hosting Loveline. I'm not a doctor, nor do I know anything about anything. So the I feel like I'm almost obligated to be very open about all these problems I have because that's all I have to offer when I'm giving people advice. Is at least I have some kind of like anecdotal advice. So I'm very open about being heavily medicated. Dealing with serious depression, alcoholism, the whole thing. Um, so don't 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 stress about like. Uh, I, I believe that in out. the truth, and I believe the truth is the only way to speak. Yeah. If I and look, if I tell the truth and it offends people, or if I tell the truth and it steps on what lies you built for yourself, I apologize. Right. I didn't mean to. You should maybe look at yourself and be a little more honest. That's the way right. I look at my life, and I go, I can't help it, man. I can't keep up with your lies and his lies and right. his lies, and then what am I supposed to say again? And even more so, I hate more so than like just the little white lies is the people who have especially people in the entertainment industry who have these like carefully constructed facades that you have to deal with. They come in for an interview and they're like, okay, you can't talk about this, this, and this, but go ahead do the interview. It's like, wait a second. That's the biggest thing in your life. How am I supposed to interview you and not talk? You know, I believe that I, I, there's so many sociopathic narcissists in this business that, that you interact with and you experience life with. And when, and then all of a sudden they're a totally different person. Yeah. And you're like, and, and 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 you bring like I, I I'll off off mic I'll walk you through a story that will blow your fucking mind but uh, I'm not gonna I like look everyone lives in their lie living sure. your lie I don't give a fuck so um so so, wait, anyway, so you, so do you spiral with, yeah I I did because not because I like all these people are saying negative things to me it was because like I felt like a lot of people were offended by something that I didn't mean to really offend 
Like I'm not a guy who has anything against in, – in fact, quite the opposite. I'm so supportive of the idea of the advancement of the LGBT community. So for them to not like I, – I was just so hurt that like they misconstrued me as being an enemy. And I, and yeah. I'm not, you know, and I was like, come on. I was just making a clean little joke. So yeah. if I was hanging out with Adam Lambert at, at a bar or something and I said that to him, he'd laugh. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he's the guy who's out there holding the flag for the for the movement and advancement. Like if we don't have humor, then what, where are we it's, at? It's, you know? it's, it's your it, it is. I do believe it should be uh, directly reflected on your intention. Yeah, it's like it's like when the Jonah Hill shit went down. Well, two things happened that I kind of noticed. I was like, well, number one, it's, you're talking about a guy who's insulated in Hollywood. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, Jonah, I doubt you're listening, but if you are, I apologize for what I'm about to say. He's not really a man. Like, he's not a man. Right. And I'm the, sure he'd be the, the first reason, to admit it. He's the, not like yeah. a guy out there, like, punching a clock, to going to work every day. And, <laughs> or you know? punching people or ever punched by yeah. somebody. So I would venture to say that him throwing around the F word is... I don't think he meant it. Like the only reason I don't say that word, other than uh, Todd Glass kind of opened my eyes to what yeah. that shame that might give to a child. I don't want to that. But also, I know that if I say that to a man, that also might mean that we fight because I'm not an insulated <laughs> Hollywood guy. Yeah. I'm a regular guy. So if I yell, "Hey, you know," I better be ready to fight. And I don't like fighting because I'm a yeah. man and I've grown up fighting. And that is not. That's not, and I, I've yeah, been I would, in fist fights. I'd hate to get into a fist. I really I don't would. want to get in a fist fight at all. <laughs> I'd have no and aspiration. Beat up, and, and then the, someone has the video of you unconscious, and he's still stepping on you, yeah. and it's just depressing. And if you, <clears throat> if you've never been in a fight, don't. It's so depressing the next yeah. day. That is the hardest part about getting in a fight. That, and when you take a shower, and you're like, "Why does behind my ear hurt?" Yeah, getting there? getting in a fight, even if you win, sometimes like. It's not good. It's not good unless you're like a sadist and you just love that shit. Oh, there's no, there, no one wins in a fist fight. Yeah. No one ever wins in a fist fight. Yeah. But it's a, it's amazing. <clears throat> Stop using drugs and alcohol. Not in fist fights anymore. Yeah. Oh, let me tell <laughs> you something. Getting to them all the time. If you're getting into fist fights, it's you. Yeah. If you got, if you've been in, if you've been in two fist fights within the last five years, yeah. it's you. You yeah. have a problem and you need to go check yourself. Yeah. I can tell you all my friends that don't get in fist fights, and then I can tell you the ones that do, yeah. and they have fucking rage issues. Very rarely is there like like you have you have to, and I know people who have lived in that situation, and that's not something like the the fist fight aspect of it is the the least interesting. Like because if you have to fist fight, someone's trying to rape your wife, or yeah. someone is mugging your grandma, or you're like, def- or yeah, you have to fist fight, or you, or you three guys have a, yeah, th- yeah. three guys have approached you in an alley yeah. regarding your shoes, yeah. And you're like, you know, so so the fact that you got in a fist fight is like the least interesting aspect of it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So wait, so but I and I love fighting in that. I I mean I'm avid into martial arts and and MMA and stuff. Yeah, jujitsu is like my main. uh, But I I started. Where do you train? I started studying Muay Thai. That was the first thing I studied. But now I I I train jujitsu at Crone Gracie's Academy in uh, Culver City. Shut up. Yeah, he's fascinating. He was on Rogan the other day. Did you listen to it? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I was. We were like talking about it. On preparing to go on the show, I was like, "Dude, you're going to be amazing." Talk about Hickson and everything. He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." yeah. Did he? And Hickson him? comes through all the time. I mean, it's so crazy. Hickson Gracie will come through the do- the the academy and train with people. I mean, for people who don't understand BJJ and and MMA, that is this is no exaggeration. That's like Michael Jordan 
cruising down to like a junior college and just shooting hoops with people. I doubt and there's like, anyone listening to this not realizing yeah. the weight of Hicks and Gracie. I mean, he doesn't roll really much anymore, does he? He he won't like it's not like he's doing hard rounds with you, but he will he'll totally throw he'll come in looking beautiful by the way at age 60 or whatever he is yeah big thick neck and muscular and he'll throw on a gi top and he'll be like you you know you're doing this wrong no you're stupid you grab his neck and he'll get down and like and do it with you like you know like i said he's not Holy he's shit. not going hard with hold you on but- one, hold on one second my dogs are losing their fucking mind and i feel like someone broke into my house yeah give me one second okay hold on now this is 140 which is now my current probably <laughs> um uh, sorry about that guys i know everyone goes god bird how fucking rude but no, I, dogs I, are okay everybody <clears throat> dogs are good um, yeah, Crone is uh, Cron is is one that was a really fascinating interview, and I the whole Gracie family. I trained one day. I, I did an episode of Hurt Burt, which was a show I had on FX, where I fought four Gracies at once. But it was <laughs> that's a good idea. Oh, I got choked out. That was fucking terrifying. But that, you I seen, hate. I actually dislike getting choked out worse than getting knocked out. You dislike? You'd and rather I, get, I know that sounds crazy. But I don't really want to do either anymore. Yeah. But getting choked out is a really strange, not fun feeling. It's terrifying. Getting Losing consciousness from losing blood to your brain. The reason is, is like when you get knocked out, it's blunt force trauma to your head. And you get you fall down, you wake up, and you're like, oh, yeah, man, I got knocked out. It takes you a couple breaths, and like you get it. When you get, when you get choked out, at least for me, and I've talked about it with like, like Jason Ellis from Jason Ellis Show. He's a fascinating yeah, dude. Fascinating I, dude, too. I got his book right here. Yeah. And we, he, just we, his book. him and I both agree. He's uh, definitely got a lot more experience with getting knocked out than I do. Um, but you, when you get choked out, you you have weird nightmares, like intense. Oh, yes, you do. Extreme nightmares, and then you feel, and then you wake up and you don't know where you are, and that's so much more jarring than than just bam, you're da- you're out. You know, yeah. Getting Neither's choked good. Out, getting choked out to me was one of the scariest things. I, I'm really fascinated. I watched his. I watched uh, Hickson's uh, documentary. Choke. Yeah. Choke. It's fucking. If you've watched ever watched like Jiro Dreams of Sushi or any of these movies, whether or not you give an S about uh, grappling or mixed martial you arts, just go back into radio voice. Yes, whether you give an S. Yeah, I know. I'm glad I did it. <laughs> whether or not you care at all about about mixed martial arts or, or Brazilian jiu jitsu or any of that, watch it. Watch a documentary called Choke because fucking it's just great to know that there's live literally samurai still in the world. Like people who every breath they take is committed to being this, this cold as ice, completely relentless samurai that still live by the code of Bushido. Yeah. It's awesome. Like oh, it's, it's amazing. It's awesome. Uh, I watched the Smashing Machine. Yeah. I watched that this weekend. I was just like, holy shit! Like that guy was a fucking Mark Kerr was Mark Kerr was a Smashing Machine. But I, it's so funny because that movie to me became so much more about his struggles with his addiction and his his feelings of inadequacy, um, much more so than about him fighting. And, yeah. I, and I thought that that was the the beauty of that that uh, movie. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty. I, 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 I ended up spending the whole night trying to research what happened to Kron's older brother because yeah. he passed in New York, I guess, and they thought it was maybe a murder. And uh, well, and- like, there's a lot of things that go on with uh, like big. Japanese uh, MMA, like that's like kind of sketchy, like like fixed fights or like the the yakuza getting involved and it was that was always pride, right? Yeah, you know, like the pride in the early stuff, but like even yeah. before that, they had they had other I forgot, not glory, but they had like uh, I, I listened to K one and Pride were the same, but K one was their strictly uh, kickboxing and then and then Pride was the MMA thing, but they like early 
mid nineties to early uh, late nineties, and then early parts of the two thousands, um, there was some really wacky stuff that would go on with Japanese MMA. Like I remember Crone talking about how. Like as a little boy, he remember being in Japan with his father and he'd have to get up in the middle of the night and go down to the academy and his dad would have to fight people like really like fight for honor. Like he's like there's some fighter who questions your your legitimacy is and and Hickson would like gather up his kids and be like, daddy's got to go take care of it. And they would go in no press allowed and they go in the do- and crone and Hickson would fuck them up and they come out and be like, sorry, I sorry, I challenge you. And they, there's some weird Holy like shit like frontier honor you know like they don't they, it's so strange do you imagine being a little kid and your dad having to go like in the middle of the night just like sorry i have to go fist fight a dude the i can't the, the <laughs> I, I can't imagine my dad gotten almost gotten a one fight one time and it was at a batting range because the ball kept hitting me <laughs> and the guys the, the two stone kids in the back were laughing because i just <laughs> and then, and they i just just and i'd be like yeah. and they'd laugh and my dad's like it's not fucking funny and it then, isn't funny. It isn't funny, but it is from, funny. From like a father's point from of view. From a father's point yeah. of view, no. But if you have no connection to kids and you're some kid working and How you're watching you? this, uh, maybe like 10. Oh, that's not funny. Uh, if you were 14, it'd be hysterical. But I, I don't yeah. know if I'd be laughing if like a little, like a 9, 10-year-old kid is like getting plunked. with. I was getting fucking I'd hammered. Like, oh, dude, dude, are you all right? I got hit in the head and I got knocked on the ground. It was like, but it was. It, High like, school I, kid, that's hysterical. Oh, me. yeah. That's, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, but. I, I so I can imagine that. I, all I can imagine is the whole time I kept going. What if he was murdered? The Gracies are the kind of fan. What a great fucking movie! It's like that movie Next to Kin yep. with uh, Patrick Swayze and, yep. and Liam Neeson. It's like and they I'll, don't even need to talk about it. It's just like look, we're gonna get him. Even the ones that don't even speak anymore would all be like, all right, everyone, let's go. It's uh, it's just fucking fast, and I guarantee you, what a fucking wrong family to piss well, off. Well, and Hickson's older brother died as well. Holds Gracie. Really? Who was supposed to, like they all everyone kind of gives Hickson the the credit for being the greatest Gracie as far as fighting, but they say that if Holes didn't pass away, he would have been the the greatest of all the greatest. And Hickson only doesn't have as much rec- recognition as Hoist because Hoist was in America. Yeah. Fighting for the UFC through Ha Horion. Horion. Yep. Horion and and uh and then his sons Henner now uh, Henner and uh I forgot his other uh, his brother's name, but they've really kept that Hacksaw, family. Hacksaw, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but they have the Gracie Academies that they've opened, and, they, and they've been on Love Lane too. And just the way that they can impart the message behind jujitsu to like uh, the layman yeah. uh, is beautiful. Like as Henner, Henner and Horian, especially, they're such good uh, spokespeople for for the sport. That's the so art. crazy. Yeah. What um, I don't even know how we got talking about jujitsu. Well, I was, we were talking about fighting and how we don't want oh, to. But I yeah. said I love it in in the sense that I like to challenge myself in that way. Like the the ability, the feeling of a fight, but I would never want to engage in like fighting on the street, you know? Yeah, like combat. Yeah, and but now that I'm a father, like I feel more prone to doing it. I, I definitely do. Oh yeah, I, I get I really s- angry at people now when I see people cussing in public or, or littering. Like really? it used to be like what a scumbag. Now I'm like I'm, I just want to str- strangle them, you know? Because really? I feel like like I'm I, I'm the protector of this whole world now for my children, you know. That's interesting. I know it's weird and it's so barbaric and not cool, but I definitely feel that way. How did you meet your wife? On Loveline. She was a guest on Loveline. Are you serious? Yeah. She did a movie with Danny McBride and, and Nick Swartzen called uh 30 Minutes or Less. Oh, I saw 30 Minutes or Less. Yeah, yeah, she was the stripper. She played the uh Really? Stripper named Juicy. Oh, yeah. shut up. Yeah. That was a great fucking movie. It was a very funny movie. Yeah. I, I love I I've known Nick for like probably 15 years he's the best yeah he's the best he's fucking fascinating 
But Danny McBride, I think, just is fucking genius. Yeah, I don't think he gets enough credit for being as, as funny and smart as he as he really is. Yeah, I I, I mean, I still will play scenes from uh, from uh, Eastbound and Down in my head and laugh out loud. Well, just he, the scene. I, I give him credit for saying the funniest thing ever on television, and that was he was giving a speech to his new Mexican uh, team teammates, and uh, Kenny Powers said. There's no I in the word team, but there is a you in cunt, and you guys are being fucking cunts right now. <laughs> I I was hitting my couch like alone watching that. Am I? <laughs> there's no I in the word team, but there's a you in cunt. You guys are being cunts right now. Oh, what a great fucking. Oh yeah. So she came in to promote that movie, and uh, that's how we met. Really? Yeah. And did you? What? How did you? How did you let? What's the proper way? If you were to say like, like, do you think? Mm-hmm. I wonder this sometimes. Now, but this is a good, like you, 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 you went in meeting her with a little bit of an edge. Like you had, you had a, yeah, it was, you she had, was on my turf. Yeah, yeah, you had a game. You had a, you had a game plan, and you, and you. Do you think you could have gotten your wife had you just been in a band, never got on radio, and no. were still working as a band? No, and even though my wife now has said that you know she was really enamored by me not you know physically is one thing but she she said as i talked to her more and more during the show on and off the air she really like was drawn to me um there's no uh, there's no way that i would have ever approached her had i not been forced to talk to her for two hours by her being a guest on my radio show yeah um even though we met on the radio show it took seven months of her push painting me into a corner before i even asked her out Really? Yeah, we met one, uh, you know, in 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 fall. It wasn't until the end of summer that I I actually asked her out, you know, because she would tweet me, she would direct message me. Then she finally got my number. Then she started texting me. She's like, "How about this? This is my number. You can text me." And then like dropping it. And finally, she's like, "Are you going to ask me out or what?" And oh my god, that's what my wife said. Yeah, she said, "If you ask me out, you know, I'll go." Yeah, and I was like, "Uh, uh you want to go out with me?" And I'm such a puss that I go, "Uh, okay. Well, what should I ask?" That was my response. Like, not, yeah, will you go out with me? I was like, should I ask you to dinner or something? Or do you want to just... She's like, you're a, you're a mess. I really am. I'm not at all smooth or anything. That's crazy. I just never would have assumed, and I've said this on the air, you know, a thousand times, but it's the truth. It's like, look, we have a lot of really hot actresses and models that come on the show. It's great. I get to meet them, and I seem to get along with a lot of them. But never in a million years do I assume that they want anything to do with me romantically. Oh, that's so interesting. I I assume the exact opposite with you. Like you're uh, obviously a good looking dude. Thank you, you. Probably never had problems with women. You're in good shape. You got a perfect head of hair. You're smart as fuck. I have fuck. nice hair. Yes. You have gr- your your hair is w- like literally. That's what I thought I'd have the rest of my life. But Brian Callen said that if uh, if I was ever on a movie set, they'd have to thin my hair. Not thicket. Like, yeah, they may have to thin out your hair it. just because so, it, it for everyone else it's going to look like a helmet compared to what they have. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I look that all being said, and I certainly appreciate the compliments, but there's a lot more to. Um, I think it's that would work if I was a girl trying to pick, get guys because we're so physically driven, and that you that's really all a lot. Oh, yeah. Some chicks really suck, but they're hot, and so they get a lot of guys to just bend over back. Women really are looking for so much more, and 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 confidence being the big thing. It, it sounds cliche because so many women say that, but I just don't. You know, I went through 
my whole high school life when you're really kind of piecing together how to do it with one girlfriend and we were very abusive to each other emotionally not physically but and you know that was the girl who like let me do anything just a pinata yeah and she was down for whatever but we were also very abusive to each other in in separate ways and then i i then you know for my early 20s i was way high and drunk every day and I never associated with any girls. I never asked a girl out on a date in my life. Yeah. I would occasionally be partying with chicks, and we'd end up having sex. You know, I, 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 if you call that success with women, so be it. You know, I was lucky enough to do that, but I never like had. I never ever got to the point where I felt confident enough to, to, to deal with the sweaty palms. Walk up to a girl I saw at like a supermarket, bar, club, whatever it may be, and be like, "Oh, you know, are you single? You want to go out sometime?" I never did it. I never believed in myself, and I have. I, I still to this day. Earlier in the in the podcast, you asked, "When did you know? Did you know when you felt like you were really a man?" And I said it was recently, and I meant that sincerely. And it was because I started to finally have a realistic self image. You know, I always had such a negative self image of myself, um, and uh, I still, you know, I I still deal with it. But now it's I've finally been able to kind of honestly and earnestly say like I, I i like these things about myself and i believe that i could be a good dad or good at my job or you know and i and i never could do that until you know maybe a year ago or so so that's when i knew i could be like a real man i could i could wrap my head around my limitations and my and my and my positives and really kind of be comfortable in them but my wife you know i would have never in a million years thought to like oh yeah well just ask her out see what she's doing you know, yeah. and so, and, but till she made it completely easy for me, and then once, once we started dating, it was it was obvious to me like she was the she was the one. She was the one. Yeah. What uh did uh what what was your average over under on having sex with chicks? Like first date, for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Like, but again, all dates I ever went on were like happenstance. It was either my friend hooked me up with a girl, and so she'd be like, "You should go out. We'll go out together, and I'll bring her along." Yeah. And then, then after that, it's like Thursday night. I'm I'm going to see fucking Kaiser Chiefs. You want to come with me? Um, that 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 stuff started to happen after the divorce. Um, but wait, you never said you never told them. I don't think you ever told them oh, how yeah. the divorce went down. I went to a birthday party in Vegas, uh, and I drove back to L.A. early um, to just be spend the rest of the weekend with my wife. And I got there, and there was like a moving van and a couple of her female friends. Holy she's like, shit, do you lose your shit when that happens? No, no, it was it, it's not one of those things where it's like, oh my god, it was almost like it was I guess you could call it shock because I I just I couldn't like my brain didn't register, you know? So you more like were just like confused. Yeah. Kind of like when when like someone breaks into your house and you're just like, "Hey, what are you doing in my yeah, house? Like, you're not allowed wait, to be in my house." I'm in my house. You're you're in my house. How how does that the same thing it was like out Wait, so so you're leaving, leaving, and she's like, "No, I just need to move out. I, we need to separate." And she was, you know, she was very. It wasn't like she was mean to me. She's just like, and like she said to me when it happened, "If you couldn't, how could you not have seen the writing on the wall?" And I, for years, was like, "There was the writing on the wall. You're full of shit." And now being able to look back on it, like, of course there was. It wasn't like I was. Pamphlets we were, from U-Haul. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, it wasn't like I was a connected, really present guy uh, and husband, and nor was she. You know, I'm not going to put all the blame on me, but you know, it's not like she was a committed, great wife and supportive person. Because I'm, I'm a, I'm a sick guy, and I was even sicker then. I needed support. I needed help. I was so depressed. Really? Was so were you not on medication at the time? Mm-mm. 
Really? Mm. Shit, I wonder how many what percentage of people are, are like clinically depressed. Yeah. I, I imagine it's so much higher. I wonder what pl- percentage of people that aren't medicated or aren't seeking treatment of some sort are clinically depressed. I also wonder how many people that say they are and are getting medication aren't. They're just, yeah. they're just not really willing to, to do the other stuff. I get depressed on the road. And what my new my new motive is, uh, my my new motif is, is the second I wake up, I get, I have to get out of the bed and go yeah. take a shower. Because if I if I lay in bed, I, the crazy thoughts start coming. They just start whispering. It's, idle hands, man. Idle hands, especially for creative people. Um, idle hands is the worst thing ever. Because then you just get you you start to get introverted as opposed to introspective. You know, I'm assuming for a comic. Being introspective is the best thing in the world. Oh, yeah. you, it's essential. But when you start to just get needlessly intro- introverted where you just you, – you exist, you bank around these kind of hollow thoughts within yourself, that's – it's just terrible. You know? Oh, it's frightening because you just sit there and you start thinking, oh, Tony Gwynn died of mouth cancer. Oh, I wonder how he knew it was coming. I wonder if it was – I wonder if it's anything like this thing in my mouth. And then all of a sudden I'm fucking in a hurt locker. It's like you said the thing about – uh, Adam Lambert, and you wondered if that was the thing that got you fired, and you get this media storm. I one time was on a show on F no on um, Spike called Fresh Baked Video Games. I went and do to do press, and I knew the show was getting canceled. I mean, it was like the writing was on the wall, right? And I knew it was going to happen. And I was in the interview doing press for the Improv, and they're like, "So tell us about Fresh Baked Video Games." And I was so obsessed with being real, yeah, that I was like, "It's not that good." And they're like, really? I said, I mean, it could be good, but no one's watching it. The numbers are low, so it's probably going to get canceled. Yeah. And they were like, uh, okay. Um, and like the guy literally had nothing to say to me. Sure. And I, it was like almost I stumped him. And I was like, well, I could sit here and say it's an amazing show, but you'll never watch it. And none of the people we're making for are going to watch it because they are playing video games and not watching TV. Right. Yeah, they're, they're playing awesome-ass video games. Yeah, and, and the guy was like, oh, I guess you don't want to work, huh? And I was like, I didn't. And I, man, I drove back to Clearwater, and I said, what the fuck did you do? Right. I mean, it's a valuable learning lesson. It's a valuable lesson to learn in in, in this business is always be gracious. Always, you got to always... Love your that someone has paid you to do anything. Sure, exactly. Um, and, and, and look, I, I mean, everyone has the desire to. I mean, I of course I want to be Howard Stern, and 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 everyone wants to be Lenny Bruce, or you know, one of these people who who really told it like it wasn't afraid to. to but at the same time, you also have to be so happy that you're getting you're, someone's paying you to do something. Yeah. And there's a certain I think level of respect that comes with with being an employee, and and that's at, at the end of the day, you're still just an employee. Now. It's very weird, though, as a performer, in any capacity, though, it's because the, the line gets blurred between showing respect for your employer and then allowing your employer to abuse you. Because once yeah. sometimes people can abuse you, and then it's I think you're you're obligated to be like fuck this, yeah. you know. And I have a very powerful forum having a radio show, you know, and I and um and I, luckily I've never had I I've known people in the radio business, very talented people. Who just get abused, you know? But really? I've luckily I've worked for great people on my whole K Rock in and of itself is just like it's an excellent, excellent. How long place. have you been at K Rock? Since two thousand two. Shut yeah. up. That's a long time to be one place. Yep. Yep. And then and then not banking around. I was on the Kevin and Bean show, and then I was on the Kevin and Bean show and Loveline, and now I'm just on Loveline. So I went from their marquee morning show to hosting 
the, the marquee like evening syndicated show. evening show. Yeah, that's great. It's, I, I I have no. Un- I, it's truly still surreal to me, even after you know twelve years or whatever. That really is surreal. Yeah. I mean, I, that I is a prank call love line all the time. Really? Yeah. I mean, so to think about like what that means to you know, I used to like just really worship at the altar of, of Jimmy and Adam. You know, and Adam what Adam, Adam would do Adam on Loveline was the funniest fucking human being I've ever heard in my entire life. You could take any any two breaks and, and put it into a half hour set and it would be as good of a, a stand up comedy set as anyone had ever done. You know oh. that that's how amazing he was. He my my buddy Lorenzo is obsessed with Adam Corolla. And when I first moved out here, I moved in with my buddy Lorenzo, and he was a photographer, and this is back when they used film, and he'd have to go drop off his proofs. Mm-hmm. And he loved dropping off his proofs, and I was like, why? And he's like, I get to listen to Loveline. So he'd time off dropping off his proofs to, so that he'd listen to Loveline, and, and he used to make me – he'd go, why don't you come with me, man? You'll really enjoy it. And I I just – you know, it's like Florida was a weird radio place. You had like a couple – Really competitive. Really competitive, but, yeah. but like a couple morning shows – you never had anything evening. Like, yeah. You, like, there was no well, that, evening. Dude, that's not just Florida. That's that's radio. I mean, yeah. Loveline is a truly unique entity for a lot of reasons. But one of them is is that it it's a show that's really working hard to get ratings at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Because yeah. for most radio stations, even talk radio stations, it's kind of – it's it's considered a dumping ground. And I, I, I'm not saying that everyone that's on the radio at that time is, is not worthy of being on the radio or not good because I don't – I obviously don't listen to a lot. But you know, it's just it's rare. I know talking to PDs and stuff, you don't really go out of your way to try to do like new and and fresh programming overnights anymore. Yeah. It's just not something you do. So yeah, it's it's really kind of crazy. But Florida, man, Florida really is like a unique radio area. Yeah, it's Florida's dudes get got- dudes get furious over there with each other. They don't fuck around. Oh yeah. But, there's a lot of goodwill in LA with radio personalities. Really? Yeah, we all get along. I mean, it's certainly from my point of view. I love. I, I I've never had. Any negative experience with any other radio personality here in Los Angeles? So you were doing K, you were doing K Rock when Adam was doing Loveline. Yeah, yeah, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah, he was he was just so quick and so fucking smart and so witty and so like you know it's a good. I, I got to be honest with you. I mean, I'm not I'm not shitting on anyone that's had the job before you, mm-hmm. but you're a much better fit than it was before you. Does that oh, make sense? Thank you and. I, I look at least if I feel like I, I it have feels some, like a partnership as opposed to a radio show. Yeah, which was Jimmy and Jim, or Adam and Doctor Drew were like a partnership. They still are. Uh, they they still are. Obviously, they still are. I mean, when they go on stage to do their live live shows, they still do a podcast now. You know, they're like an old married couple that likes to show off in front of the, their um, friends and talk shit to each other, but they finish each other's sentences and they totally know like how to. How to get the really best out of each other? Crazy, you know? yeah. That's real. I mean, it really is surreal to think, you know. But I, I when I did Loveline, I had a fucking blast. And I, yeah, you like, got to come back soon, man. I'd love to. Whenever I'd you're love in town to. for like a, a good amount of time. It seems yeah, like I'd love it. I had such a great time doing it. Now, what's what's like? Uh, like, I can't imagine that someone like you doesn't have like a ten year plan. I want to be. I mean, I want to be a television personality. But not, you know, like I said, I worship at the altar of like of like Jimmy and Adam, and it's not just because they're great at what they do. But you know, I f- I really felt like there was something so special about the, the fact that like 
hey, man, you know, like how a lot of guys talk about, like, well, that guy's from my neighborhood. And it gave me hope that I could do something. Like, Jimmy and Adam were on the morning show at K-Rock working yeah. with Kevin and Bean. And they have – Kevin and Bean have stories about – remember that time when Adam – and Jimmy came in and he blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, man, I, like, I want to be like them. And I in no way think I, I could host a late-night show uh, as well as, as Jimmy does. But that that is the the if I wish upon a star that would be what I do is be like a, a late night guy. Yeah. I like to have conversations. I like to do it, and I like to do it to the point that people who are on the receiving end of it enjoy it, but also people who like maybe get a chance to watch or listen into. That's yeah. what I've always wanted to do. You know. Yeah, they they really did kind of burn a path that I think all of us look at and go, well, that I'd love to I'd love to be the the head of the helm of my own pirate ship. Yeah, I'd love to be fucking i mean they they also have been partners like they're like that kind of blew me away that they're still working together like that they have a that jackal productions is them yeah like i mean i'd love to be able to sell numerous shows to networks and just be the brand of the stamp of approval it's true for young male audiences but uh, you gotta earn it i want to i want to create too though i mean that's that's the big thing for me like right now uh i'm just starting to scratch the surface of really being able to write stuff and and uh create tv and um i'm getting my first real crack at it right now and what, what are you doing uh i'm working on a, an animated show uh based on a character that i i've been doing on the radio for a long time oh yeah and uh is, is it the one you did with me possibly yeah <laughs> uh yeah i don't know how much i'm you know aspects of it but you know and getting like the inside and this is my first i i've attempted to create tv before and and gotten a little little bites but this is my first real success where someone's picked up the show and like we're taking it to production and so that's what i'd really love to do ideally is be all you know be able to have a radio show or t- or a tv show whatever it is where i could do my thing my you know kind of play play to my skill set but also be able to produce and write and, and you know create these funny characters and stuff i i love that aspect of it that's kid in the candy store for me is like to be able to think of like these weird worlds where characters exist and yeah. funny funny situations for them to I wish I just had a fucking production company where I could just come up with an idea someone would write it out we could get it to my agent we could set it out on pitches and set up pitches I think that's what's so beautiful about uh, Dick House and like Johnny Knoxville and those guys is that it's almost like that it's like what would happen if like a 12 year old guy got a production company is that Knoxville or Bam or Spike Jones like they have a weird idea and they just make it it just happens you know they're like I'm gonna I'm gonna douche Bam's ass with uh with a soda can dunk dunk yeah. and then it's it's live and ready to go you know I just need I need seed money I need like a hundred grand to get an office get a bullpen get a bunch of young writers come in they're they're there all week I come yeah. in when I'm in town and I'm like all right guys here are my ideas let's I want to be shooting this in one week yeah like that's what I need to do I I I always I feel too and I'm this is a, I'm a total amateur I don't really know but I feel like with with podcasting and with the internet and with digital cameras being what they are now, I mean, you're capable of making such amazing video so easily now. Yeah. I feel like it's never been easier to do what you're talking about, but at the same time, it's probably never been harder because there's 500 channels and everyone's putting TV on now. Well, it's, and, and it's, and it becomes this, I mean, it gets so fucking complicated just with like, I mean, like I, I came up with the show idea and then I pitched it and then. It's like it gets sticky. Like who wants to produce it? And, and you're just like, oh. You want to know the beauty about what I think with stand-up and with radio as well? What's that? Is that the, the, the true beauty of it. It's like every stand-up I'm sure would love to be a star of a sitcom. But, oh, yeah. But most of them, whether it's Jerry Seinfeld or, or, or Ray Romano, they still continue to do stand-up. 
They always go back to it because there's a certain connection and immediacy to it that you can't get with any amount of TV. Oh, yeah. TV, there's always, whether you're on the back of this uh, cable channel or you're on ABC, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. From the germ of an idea to the production of a show, 85 people have to sign off on stuff and get their grimy hands all over it. You want to go up on stage and tell a joke? Boom. Done. I go on the air tonight and I want to talk about being on Burt Kreischer's podcast. End of story. Done. I go. And, and like, people hear my life. I'm going to post this tonight. Please do. Yeah. I'm going to fucking post this tonight. I'm, I'm good doing nothing. Let me know when, whenever you do so I can I'm gonna uh, post talk it tonight. about it. I'm going to tweet it tonight. about it and stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll post it tonight because, I, I mean, it's like such a seamless conversation. I'm thinking about cutting out my intro and my outro and just posting straight up audio files. Yeah. Like, I'm like, fuck the production side of it. It just makes things more difficult for me. Yeah, I mean, it is. That is the beauty of a podcast is that there's no one to tell you not to do that. Oh, <laughs> you know, just, it's the greatest. Yeah. It's what's you know, it's so funny, though, about what you just said about this business and about all the cooks in the kitchen is that you get a podcast and you get like a top 50 podcast mm-hmm. and your podcast is flirting in the top 25 every now and then. And uh, and then all these cooks show up and they're like. Well, let well let's sit you down with this guy. We want to meet. Well, you should meet with this guy. This guy knows what he's doing. Let's monetize your podcast. I've never monetized it because I'm just like, and I'm sure I'm leaving money on the table. But right. I just, I just personally, I'm like, hey, if you like this podcast, go check out the shit that Mike has, and go check out the shit that I have, yeah. and then just like us. I, I I don't know if you are leaving money on the table though, because I think, and this is speculation. I do work for a company that makes a lot of podcasts and and does monetize in it, and it does seem like. Unless you're Mark Marin, Joe Rogan, or Adam, you're not gonna make. You know, I think you're making. I, mean, I think that, like, that I think that the people that are are. You know, like I said, the big the big guys, the Kevin Smith and the the, the Joe Rogans and, and Adam Carolla, Mark Marin. Though you're you're making some money, but yeah. I don't think any. I don't think there's any middle ground. I think yeah. you're either Bill Burr's making a dick load of money. Is he? Yeah. Bill Burr's making a. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. Not Bill hasn't told me he's making a dick load of money. Rumor on the street is Bill Burr's making a dick load of money. Yeah. Um, he's and a I good know, dude too, man. He's amazing. He's a good dude. He's fucking. He, he, I, I don't. I mean, like, I don't know him that well. But just we've had him on the show a couple times. He's and, so uh, smart. Like you just you you would assume because of kind of like the Boston thing and like that he's tough talking. Like, oh man, I hope this guy's not a prick because you could easily assume he would be. Yeah. And he's such a nice guy. He's the so, nicest yeah. fucking guy. Like he called, dude. If I showed you his text to me, like how my book came out and I wanted to promote it, and Bill's like, "Why don't you come on my podcast and promote yeah. it?" And I was like, "I'd love to." Obviously, his podcast is one of the fucking top Huge, five podcasts. Yeah. So I text him, and he's like, "He's like, uh, I mean, this is Bill. He's like, man, I'm having I'm having stuff going on in my house. They're, they're redoing my house. Probably, Bill's by the way very private, so I'm sure he's not wanting me to share any of this. But like, he's like, can I come to your house tonight? We'll do it, and then I'll release it tomorrow. Or maybe we can do one. And he's like trying to think of everything around it. And I go, Bill, don't worry about it. Like, you're my friend first. Don't worry about your fu- getting me on your fucking podcast. Yeah. Like, I'll, we'll figure it out. And Bill's like, really? People, Thanks, man. That's the sign of a guy who's really earned his stripes, though. You know, yeah. like, that's why I think I love stand-up so much and have such a high respect for him because the overnight success has been at it for 15 years. Yeah. You know, like, people are like, well, that guy just came on scene. It's like, no, he's been working the clubs for 11 years. Yeah, it's I've like, been doing stand-up 15 fucking years. Exactly. Like, I know the guys who do it professionally. Yeah. I know them personally. They are my friends. And when we go and we have a beer, we talk shop. We talk bullshit. We talk about right. who's doing what and what. Uh, this guy's an asshole. And did you hear this story? It's like I feel a, like you, you have to earn your stripes to be a good stand-up. And, and with... Kind of the YouTube generation, 
I feel like a lot of that's lost. You know, people assume like there, there's got to be a means to an end, but they don't understand what the means are. You know, and I'm not I'm not talking shit. It's just it's so easy to assume like, well, look, I can get a million followers on Twitter. I'm going to be a celebrity I or I'm going to put up YouTube videos. I'm going to be a celebrity. And it's like, no, man, th- there's a lot of guys who used to do open mic nights for, for drink money. There's a lot of guys who used to work the door at the improv just so they could hope that they could open up for an established person, you know, and they've been doing it for 10 years. Like, that's what I think I love. He's like, and same with like American Idol and all this, what it does for musicians. I really think there was some beauty in getting in the van and having to go out there and not have eating pop tarts for dinner for nine years until you could finally get your song on the radio and stuff. It's, it's the thing, the thing I, the thing I miss, this is going to sound shitty and cunty and I'm sorry, everybody already. I miss the nobility of someone saying, I want to be an entertainer. Yeah. I'm 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 somewhat fed up uh, by the uh, let's let's I'm trying to think of I'm like trying celebutants. To think. I, yeah, and it's people like, who are famous essentially just for having the name that they have. Yeah, or yeah, that distinctly, or the people who like go about it the roundabout way. Like I saw this thing and I shit on them a little bit, but I I don't shit on them. But like sometimes you'll see guys that have reality shows where it's like we're the um. I'm going to I'm going to use an example that was on Travel Channel because they're my family and I feel like I'm not going to go in the family. I'm going to keep it in the family. This is a show that was on a very long time ago. Uh but like or let me you know what scrap travel this is very easy. The guy that's a marlin fisher. Okay. It's got like the deadliest marlin fishing boat. But you realize very quickly he just wants to be fucking famous. Right. He doesn't give a fuck about his fishing boat. The fishing boats a scam a, a cover a, a, a beard for his want to be fame, right? Famous, and it's like I miss the nobility of 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 the Jerry Seinfeld that said, I, "I'm in this to be famous, right? I'm in this because I want to be an entertainer and I want to make people." And it's a very shallow fucking want, but like own it. Don't say you're a fucking cake maker, right? But you, I, but you really just no, want to be hey, fucking famous. And no, I'm not shitting on Sonny, the cake boss, but like, I mean, there's a lot of very entertaining, charismatic people who do these like wild jobs that they film and they make it. But you're right. I mean, some people wanted to be musicians. Some people want to be comics. Some people want to be actors. It's like that's it. That's how you are a performer. And it, it I, it's never been brought to my eyes with so much clarity as of as it has of late because. Everyone that gets like big jobs in television hosting is a former model or was a Spice Girl or was yeah. uh, uh, an actor. And it's like, no, you, you understand there is a job called host and there's a skill to it. Oh, and, it's I don't a, and, want, it's a, and there's a muscle. Yeah. And I'm not in radio so that I can parlay that into getting my band signed or like, yeah, I want to be a host. I want to I just got into this because I wanted to be Howard Stern or Johnny Carson or Jimmy Kimmel. And I still, and that's what I want to do. I'm yeah. not going to parlay it off into nine different things. I want to host. And there's and it's, there's a nobility to knowing what you want. Yeah, and saying it out there. Like I tell you what, I, I like. I love hosting. I'll never stop hosting. Yeah. as long as I live, it is a muscle that I've that I've figured out, and I can do it. And I and it's fun as fuck. And it, and it's not a stretch. Like I know me, so right. I I know me, and I know what to say and what not to say. But I also want a sitcom. I want a sitcom. Right. Like my my. Uh, my, do you want to do you want to come on to one with other people, or would you love to? I write mine. One? I don't want. I don't want to be like third yeah. person on it, only because that's, I'm not that good of an actor. So like, <laughs> like your wife could probably fucking pull it off. I'm not. I like. I can play me. That's the host part of me. Yeah. Like I know me, and I can be me. 
like pretty good. But if you're like, Burp, can you be the wacky neighbor who lives in his mom's basement and plays bass? I'm like, I don't know that guy because yeah. I'm not that fucking guy. I've never been that guy. I don't know how he – what does he say when things – like I was never good at auditions. Yeah. Like they'd give me sides and I'd be like – I mean I remember one time I was leaning up against a wall in audition. Like that's how <laughs> bad I was. <laughs> what, what? Maybe you were playing a greaser. No. no. I was fucking just bad. And so I fucking, leaning up like, against the wall. Yeah, I was like, oh. And so, but like, I want to host. I want to do. Yeah. I want to do. I wouldn't mind doing more of what I'm doing with travel or in another capacity. I mean, I'd done some pilots with Comedy Central that uh, that that didn't go anywhere, but they were all fun as fuck to do. Yeah. Um, I think that look, there has to be a return because right now things are just too oversaturated. I always I always compare it to pitching in Major League Baseball. After like in the mid '90s with expansion teams and everything, it just there was just too much. There was yeah. and and so the pitching got diluted and people started hitting bombs and steroids, whatever. But there was a return to like really ratcheting it down. And after all these cable shows and all these crazy, uh, like let's follow around a guy who opens storage lockers and that's a show. That's it. That's what I'm talking. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, like yeah. There has to eventually there's gonna be a sea change and 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 people are gonna want to watch professionals do. Make TV. Yeah. By the way, the, the show I was talking about on Travel Channel, just so people don't speculate about my friends or possible friends, it was a show about a moving company. Yeah. And, I, and they're a very popular moving company, and that is their business. But it was like you could tell that they were hiring like actors, like they were, like they were. It, it just and it got canceled very quickly. And I'm not shitting on any insight the travel ever had about, but all those people that hired it are gone. Yeah. Um. So it's but uh but it, you it was like and it's like it's like I don't know I whatever happened to the guy that just wanted to have a moving company. Like, doesn't that guy yeah. exist? Can't you just want to have a moving company? Oh, for sure. But, you know, it, you, you can't almost you can't blame... you be a plumber it. without wanting to be famous? You almost can't blame certain people because there's the people who they actually don't have a job. They're, they, it's a fictitious job that they create for the TV show. But yes. then there's the people who just are like like the Pawn Stars guys. They, had a, they were funny dudes that owned a pawn shop. And yeah. someone at Left Field Productions is like... We gotta film this, you know. Yeah. So there's the two sides of the like those guys. You're like, I can't blame them, you know. Yeah. Or cake or the cake boss guys. Like, I he can't just blame makes the, wacky cakes. You he's, know? Like, yeah, he's into cakes. That's, yeah, Sonny is his name. And he's a nice guy. Someone eventually or, yeah. saw that and was like, "That's pretty awesome. We should yeah. film it," you know. But then there's the people. You're totally right. That like, no one like no none of the storage lockers on auction hunters and storage wars are real storage lockers that people are bidding on you understand that yeah. people it's a part of a tv set i mean yeah production wise do you realize how fucking difficult that would be to open a locker for real yeah. and have no brands no fucking porn no dead i mean that's impossible it's yeah. impossible yeah um and they've got fucking lighting it's lit if they you a- want reality where they just go into stuff and they don't know what's going to be on the other side of it watch hoarders that's yeah real. yeah that's people, you then you they find cat carcass and and poop that's real you know that's what you'd find if the storage wars was legit you know like yeah i get frust- i get frustrated when i see production like over the top like there's something about restaurants uh, i don't know it's not it's not on food and it's not on cooking it's uh, on some other channel like bar rescue yeah know? something bar rescue but it's like they uh, like one of the things i'm 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 watching it and these people are sitting at the bar and they got like the overhead camera yeah. and they're sitting at the bar by themselves and it's like a black and white like sketchy and they're like where's our bartender where's our bartender how come our bartender is we haven't had service in 9 minutes 9 minutes and then they're sitting there and they're having a conversation i can't believe we haven't had a bartender and i'm like i can't believe we have audio on this yeah. like who's mic'd who's got a fucking mic on <laughs> that i can hear this conversation yeah. someone's got to i've been on tv long enough to know that my lapel isn't picking up their conversation you can't just put one over by the bar and hope it's going to pick it up 
Someone's wearing a fucking mic. Yeah. And so no, I get, right. I right. get uh, frustrated. But again, I think that that's going to trickle down to not just people who are frustrated with it that work in TV. Eventually, everyone's going to be like, okay, I just want to watch a talk show where you have guests in a band. Like, let's get, I want to watch a TV show where a host presents me stuff. You know, like, I'm done watching a guy crab fish. I've been really excited at, at, uh, at the, what is theoretically these uh, late night wars mm-hmm. with, with Kimmel, yeah. Fallon, Seth Green, Seth, Seth Myers, Seth Myers uh, Letterman. Of uh, fucking Conan, like five dudes going at it. Yeah. I, I love it, and I got to be honest with you. I mean, Kimmel's always going to be Kimmel. He's, I mean, he's. It's not like he's going to. He's he he brought a group of people that are that had never gone to late night right. into late night. He set his own fucking. He's got his own well, supply the, the, and demand. T- the two Jimmys are the future. They really are. They're, Jimmy they, Fallon is fucking good. Yeah, but they understand it. They understand like attention span now and and real modern comedy. They get the two Jimmys are the future. But it, I'm actually a little bit hurt and like, not hurt. I'm I'm just sad that David Letterman's going because he's, oh, I, he's I our last nexus to the real to to the Carson era to the Steve Allen era of the traditional talk show. He's our last connection. He is. He is. He inter- I tweeted this the other night. He interviewed Paris Hilton right after she got out of jail. She was promoting a yep. perfume. It's the best. It is the best interview I've ever fucking that seen. Or, do, how about his Spencer Pratt interview when Spencer was at like the height of uh, of like his popularity? Nope. It, Dave's like, oh, yeah. So you're a uh, you're kind of like a uh, you're a uh, you're a dope, huh? <laughs> I just starts it off. By the way, I'm I'm emailing this to myself right now because I want to fucking watch that. Spencer Pratt. Oh shit! It's eight o'clock. Okay, all right. I gotta go to work. Um, I'm gonna post this uh, now. About hour nineteen. Mike, thank you very much. I'm doing it. You're the man. I know. Thank you. This has been a fucking blast. Anytime, Mr. Christ. All right. I will talk to you soon. Then. Bye. Bye. This episode was brought to you by the machine.